Let's see, am I on? Is that good? I wasn't sure if I had that turned on. Is that, can you hear me? Let's see. That's good. That works. It's great to be with you this evening. And I am truly impressed by the number of folks that are here this evening. I had no idea. I said I had no idea what to expect, but I really thought there would be fewer people. When I was at First Pres Biloxi, we had an evening service. This was many years ago. And um, we, we, could, we could not quite fill the front two pews. So you guys are much holier than that. You're the, you're, the, you're the truly righteous. So tonight I want to look at um, Matthew. Now I've, I think in your bulletin it says ver, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, but I want to read to you from Matthew eleven twenty-five to 30. And I'll read this, um, and we're going to talk about the yoke that Jesus says my, my you know, yoke to me, um, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and we're going to look at that, but I want us to see how we are burdened and we are yoked to so many other things that are quite heavy that we habitually, and we're blind to. And so I really want to kind of dig in, kind of till the soil on that. So we're going to look at the text, but I need to do a little preliminary uh, work and digging. So uh, we will hear the Word of God. I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to look at a few things, and then we're going to look at it again. So hear the Word of God, beginning at verse 25, Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the, uh, let's pray. Father, we, we do pray that you would take your word and reveal to us your deep and abiding love through your son, Jesus. I pray that you would, you know, till the soil of our hearts. Uh, we're blind to so many different things. And we, uh, we live lives that are sometimes unintentional, oftentimes unintentional, and just respond and react to things that happen to us and we're really driven by our schedules and the busyness of life without an intentionality and we see your word you know, we are burdened and heavy laden with these things that we've yoked ourselves to and lord we do want to learn from jesus who loves us who reveals the father and to those who are humble to little children lord we uh, we want to learn from you. We want to uh, just learn to walk with you daily, to see you daily, uh, to experience the kingdom um, that, that Jesus has brought and to live as those who journey in great joy with the Father and delight at every moment and every turn to experience and look for you and to be able to recognize um, your, the way you reveal yourself to us, even in the little things. Um, we look for the big things, but you, you promise to reveal yourselves even in the little things. 
the things that we pass by every day. So we ask that you'd be with us tonight, and we ask this in Jesus' name. So, t- so tonight, I've kind of titled this um, The Easy Yoke, Learning to Walk with Jesus, and I kind of want to flesh out a little bit what we talked about this morning of being intentional and uh, kind of making space for Jesus. Like, if you were here this morning, I mentioned that when I was driving down the road and I saw the, all the debris on the side of the street after Hurricane Ian, and I, I stopped my car and I turned the radio off. Um, and I needed to do that because there's just so much noise um, and it's hard to focus. And music can often be uh, just a distraction. And, um, and we need to learn how to make space for, for the Father and add margins to our lives. So I was just talking with my friend Jack Kennedy, who's here tonight. Jack and I uh, are old friends, and he's older than I am. We're old friends. Uh, going back to 2004 when I was working with uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship, and Jack had all these great relationships throughout all the apartment complexes, and we were working with the RUF students when Clint Wilkie was here, and um, it was just a delight, and a lot of folks from this church, mainly this church, um, were doing the Backyard Bible Clubs, and so I was just talking to Jack, and um, many of you don't know, there are, there are things that are unseen, and you have no idea the stream of which... Uh, uh, the, uh, the events that have occurred that maybe you're experiencing some, some great benefits of. They began many, many years ago, and Jack was a part of that. And then Jack was also part of, through that, connecting with folks in the community. And then you've got your mentoring program, and uh, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And I, I report often uh, about the work here at First Press Hattiesburg when I travel around the country, because I think you're a model of ministry for our denomination in the things that, that have been done and that are being done. You may be going through some challenges right now, but God is at work. He has been at work. He will continue to be at work. He loves you and he delights in you. But as I was talking to Jack, I was asking, we were just, talk, just a moment ago talking about the Bible clubs, and he just said, it's so difficult, we just don't have as many volunteers. And there's a reason for that. It's not just at this, in this community. It's just that we have become so busy that we don't have margins in our lives for really anything else. And so this is kind of what I want to look at. We're burdened uh, not by the easy yoke of Jesus, but we're burdened by the yoke of the world and enslaved. And, and we have these habitual patterns that because they're habitual, we're, we don't, they're unseen often. And as I talked about this morning, there's anxieties that come about that way because, because we're not living the life that, that God has called us. And he's called us to be satisfied in him and to find our, he says, seek first his kingdom and his, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And that was within the context of anxiety and worry and stress. And so we, we fill our lives with things that are busy. We have goals that are set and often we're very, very unintentional with our lives, um, our spiritual lives and direction. And so I want to talk about rule of life and self-direction um, a life that's directed and led by the Spirit as it's related to this easy yoke. Um, I am not one to typically watch um, game shows. I'm just not at home. I think game shows occur during the day. Um, but and I can't remember what the name of the show, but there, there was this game called Plinko, and it's where somebody stands upon a ladder, and they drop a puck, and there are all these pegs, and 
the puck drops and you know, hits a peg and it ricochets off here and then it goes there and it goes there and it goes there. And as it hits the bottom, you know, there's a dollar amount and the people um, that have dropped the, you know, it's this Plunko game, they get whatever amount of money wherever the puck has gone, but they had no direction to that. It just kind of was affected by all these other pegs as it fell down. Are you familiar with that at all? Well, that's often the way we live our lives. Um, we, um, we're at full throttle, we're busy, and we're often very un- unintentional about our lives. Um, what's happening and what happens in our life, things just happen often that are out of our control, and we're just driven by them from one thing to the next, and then we've got a result, and so all of a sudden we find at the end of our life, and after many decades, we've become someone that we've not really been intentional about. And, um, and that's, that's not the easy yoke that Jesus has called us. He wants to free us and give us the easy yoke. Um, but our lives are very busy, um, and we're often very, very unintentional about what governs our day. And, you know, you could do this even if you're re- retired. Um, you can still wander for decades. Um, and we're far less intentional with our life um, than God desires for us to be. And you can get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent. And we just move from one thing to the next, spending months and weeks and even decades not thinking about what we're doing and not being intentional. But um, I want to ask the question, what are you becoming? Because this is something that is relevant to our text tonight. What are you becoming? What are you becoming by the things that you do? In a way, what are you, what are you teaching your children? What are you teaching your, your spouses to love? And to worship, um, I've I'm entering into a very very part time role with my church, Orangewood Presbyterian Church in Orlando. I'm going to be working with the deacons, and we're going to be doing local outreach. There's a community called Eatonville, not far from us, and um, you know I'm thinking about the metrics that I'm going to be judged by, right, for your performance of your of your work and. You know, the PCA, our churches are very affluent. We have a lot of education. I mean, we're very educated, and um, we're very busy. We have money, so, you know, we can go to Steamboat Springs or Vail, or we can go to the coast, and, you know, our kids are so busy going from one thing to the next to the next, and I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm praying, how do you get people with full schedules like this to engage in local outreach? Um, it's much, much prayer, but... And those, those are the obstacles that we face in our churches, that we face in our lives that um, we don't often think about what we're doing and we just let things happen to us. And before we know it, we don't have any time to do anything. And we're a wreck and we're anxious. And what have we become? And that's what I want to ask the question. What are, what are you becoming? Through the task that you are doing, um, and that's what a rule of life is. A rule of life is a, is a, you know, I want you to think about maybe a collection of statements about what, uh, who you're becoming that, and what you're becoming um, just by the things that you do, and they end up governing what you're doing. And so to come up with a kind of a, a rule of life of an intentionality and thinking of articulating some something because you're being formed and we're unaware of that, but this is not the easy yoke that Jesus has called us to. Um, but I want, to, I want you to think about this rule of life in, in this context. A rule for your life, it's a statement that governs not what you're doing. Um, that's secondary. But what you're becoming 
And then you ask the question, what do I want to become today? Am I becoming the right person, the right thing? And, and are the things that I'm doing just attacking me from every angle and they're demanding my attention? And are those really the right things that I need to be focusing on? Are they causing me to become the right person? Um, a, lot of, a lot of the time, the answer for me is, you know, I'm not intentional. And I, I very much let things happen. I'm, I'm just not, not being intentional with my life as I should. And I'm trying to um, not add another burden. It's easy when you hear this to say, oh, I'm just adding another law. No, this, when we look at the text, Jesus is saying, I want to take something away from you. I'm going to slough these, these, these heavy loads and burdens off. My yoke is easy and it's light. Um, so please don't hear me as like, oh, this is another to-do list. Um, but self-leadership led by the Spirit is what I'm talking about. And we need to be intentional about our life, to be unburdened from the things and to be burdened and yoked with, being yoked with G, to Jesus. Um, and I want to reread to you a quote that I read this morning from Dallas Willard from his, uh, from his book, Living in Christ's Presence, Final Words on Heaven and the Kingdom of God. Because this is the way we habitually live. He said, human beings cannot help but looking for someone to teach us how to live. That's why it is so important for those of us who want to follow Jesus and for those of us who help to lead churches to know that Jesus is the best and the only one from which human beings should learn how to live. We all learn somewhere. We first learn from our parents and then from our coworkers or bosses, the media, the culture, and the people around us. The Bible says that all attempts to do things that don't start with God will betray us. Um, it's very important, and we need to be intentional because we're continuously being shaped. We're continuously being discipled and um, in the wrong ways. And God calls for us to, to come and be yoked to Jesus and to live an intentional life, to learn from Jesus, to learn from Jesus, the text says. Um, there was a... There was a uh, sixth-century monk, Saint Benedict, um, and it was kind of at the tail end of the Roman Empire, just before it collapsed. And everything in that culture was hyper busy. There, it was a permissive time in the empire. And Saint Benedict, um, he went to live in a cave. Now, some of you may say, "You know what? That's horrible." And some of you may say, "Oh my goodness, I would love to live in a cave." be quiet, relaxed, there would be no noise. But he went to live in a cave, and he wanted to be intentional. Um, he's like, I don't want to live in the city anymore. Um, I want to be intentional. I'm going to go live in a cave because I want to become a person of deep prayer and intimacy with God. Uh, that's why he did that. And what drove him to, to live in the cave was this purpose for life. And the question he asked was, what do I want to become? because he realized that he was being shaped by things that he had really was unaware of and sought to live an intentional life. But what do I want to become? I'm becoming a frantic, silly, narcissistic, materialistic Roman, and I don't want to be that person. I want to be a person who has a deep, a deep prayer life and intimacy with God. I want to be a person who is deeply connected to the person of Jesus through intimate prayer. So I'm going to live in a cave. Now, that sounds kind of crazy. We would say, all right, Please don't turn me into Presbytery for quoting a 6th century um, monk. But I, th I think we can learn 
you know, by co- God's common grace um, from, from different, um, different folks and disciplines. You know, there's a lot of books out right now kind of the, the, about habits. They're, um, they're best-selling books about reforming habits. I actually brought one that uh, I wanted to show you. Have you heard of Atomic Habits? It's like a bestseller. Um, Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. Um, the fact that we're unaware, it's, it's really powerful, it's really amazing, I'd highly recommend it. This is common grace, right? All truth is God's truth. But, um, you know, we can learn even from 6th century monks as we can from these guys that write best-selling novels. All, obviously, with, uh, with Scripture as the foundation for everything. But um, this St. Benedict, he wanted to become intentional about his life. What, am, what do I want to become? And um, accidentally, things were happening. More and more, you know, people were gathering around him as he went in the cave, and they wanted to learn something deep from him. So this community began to form around this guy who wanted to know God better through da- the daily rhythm of prayer in his life. And he established some rules to govern this community so that he wouldn't lose track of the reason why he got there in the first place. Um, so I want you to think about that. You know, you can spend decades just letting things happen to you and you become someone who has no clue how you actually got there and why you're there in the first place. Now, you may have a lot of money and you may have a great house and you may have had a good career, but what have you become? What have these things made you? Um, so this guy developed a threefold form of prayer, a corporate prayer, private prayer, and then a prayer, you know, in the church service. Um, and what he's doing is he's, he's trying to live out who he wants to become. And what he's doing is he's, he's serving that instead of the other way around. And oftentimes in our culture, we're become, what we're becoming is serve, who, what, let's see, who, who we are becoming is serving what we're doing, just what we're doing. And so I say this, your task list, your task list is doing something to you. It's forming you. It's forming you in a way that you don't even realize. And it's a, it's a, it's a heavy burden and it's a yoke. Um, Benedict says, hey, let's, you know, let's flip this thing around. Um, and it's a rule of life that's built on the premise, what am I becoming? And that's, a, I think, a question that we, sh- we should ask because I think God wants us to ask that question. Um, um, and so, you know, we're at this place. Did I just plinko my life until I landed here? And all these different events of the tyranny of the urgent. Do you feel that way sometimes? Do you feel very intentional about your life? I mean, you can, so you could still have a great to-do list and you can accomplish great goals, but you, you've still been formed by your task list less than by God. And so, hear this. You can't earn, this is not a pathway to earning God's favor or grace. You already have that through Jesus. But it's trying to be intentional and, and form some some. Practices, spiritual practices. I think the term has been used: spiritual disciplines, um, and it's it's a way to create margins in your life so that Jack Kennedy can have more people doing Bible clubs um, and and other things. Um, have you guys heard of the author James K. Smith? Have you heard of he he uh, he he's a professor. Um, forgot where he teaches now, but he's written a number of great books. Um, this one book is You Are What You Love. He's uh, a student of Augustine. 
And I think Augustine has probably the best, best view, I think the most accurate definition of sin. He says, sin is really disordered loves. It's a matter of worship. And I think that's a very clarifying definition. And James K. Smith, um, really, he says, I'm just, I'm thinking God's thoughts after him, and I'm thinking Augustine's thoughts after him. And you are what you love. You become the things that you do, and you're shaped by them. And he talks about the power of habit. And the, the premise in this book, You Are What You Love, um, the premise is you're primarily not a thinker, you're a lover. You're not, as, as Smith would say, you're not a brain on a stick, you're someone who loves because we were made to worship God. And the problem with sin is we have, instead of having our worship directed to God and being filled with God, we, sin has just turned, the fall has turned everything upside down and inside out. And so now we're, we're looking horizontally to the things of the world to be filled and they can't fill us and satisfy us. But we're, we're still lovers, we're still worshipers and our hearts are broken from false worship. And so he's saying, you know, this is the power of habit. You're not a thinker, you're a lover. And your task list is what he says, your task list is not aligned with what you think, but with what you love. Your schedule or your to-do list informs what you do and it forms you. Like I said this morning, you know, you're led where you look and you're enslaved by that and you're filled and shaped by what you worship. And so your schedule or your to-do list informs what you do and it forms you and they simultaneously tell you what you love and they also inspire, inspire what you love. They direct it, they cultivate it, and they nurture it. Um, that's the way you become these things. Um, and so I want you to ask, think about this and ask this question. What does my schedule say about what I love? Um, what are my habits teaching me to love? And what are my habits teaching my kids or my grandkids to love? Smith, now this is really powerful. Smith quotes this uh, psychological research uh, researcher. This, his name is Timothy Wilson. Um, the statistic here is just fantastic. Um, Wilson says that perhaps only about 5% of what we actually do in a given day is the outcome of conscious, deliberate choice. Perhaps only about 5% of what we actually do in a given day is the outcome of conscious, deliberate choice. The other 95% is what he's saying is, 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 is a habit that, that you're in, just like you're in a rut. Only 5% about what we actually do in a given day is the outcome of conscious, deliberate choices. I, I think I used the illustration this morning, um, kind of things that are autonomic, like driving from one location to another. You know, you could be on the road for, for 30 minutes or an hour and you're having an intense conversation and all of a sudden you're, you have no idea, you don't, re, you don't even remember, you know, pushing the gas and the brake and turning left and putting your, your blinker on. Now, if you're in Florida, I think all the blinkers are broken. They probably work here, but, um, but you know what I mean, autonomic, where you just, all of a sudden you're there. And that's what he's saying. It's about 5% of the things we actually do are an outcome of conscious, deliberate choice. Um, and, but it's not just driving. When I use this as an illustration, it's not just driving that, you, that you're doing. It's our entire life that's just autonomic without any recognition of the patterns and the habits. Um, and we're shaped 
by the things that we do. So now I want to look at this text, and, and I want us to see that, you know, Jesus really does offer us a different way to live. Uh, you know, so much, so, so many in our church culture, or the PCA, we're planting churches, which is fantastic, but we're not really talking about discipleship as much. And this, is, this, is, this text is dealing with being a disciple of Jesus. Oftentimes, when we come to faith in Christ, we kind of think, you know, okay, I'm good to go, and I'm going to be rescued um, to go to heaven. You know, I've, I, I know the right theology, and I've prayed the prayer, and I trust Jesus for my salvation, and I'm going to go to the good place. And, um, and so... Um, I just lost my train of thought. Where was I going? Um, what's that? Yeah, so the way of Jesus is to be a disciple and to learn from Jesus, to, uh, to walk with him. And I want to look at this text again. At the time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take up my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is a continuous habitual way of living and to learn from Jesus to, uh, to, to we've got to set these new habits and patterns where we have margin in our life we, we silence, silence the, the, the phones turn off the social media turn off the Netflix um, spend time in the word but make space for Jesus so that we can learn from him because he delights to reveal himself he reveals the father and it is the daily walking with Jesus, not just waiting for him to come back. He is, he, what is the, um, what was Jesus' message? Mostly it was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He talked about the kingdom a significant amount of, the, of his life uh, in ministry. Um, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the kingdom of God is the life of God that he has brought through Jesus for us to live in today so that we can have peace and shalom, the, the easy yoke. Take up my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You know, the word gentle, which is, is, is the translation, you know, we don't always do a great job with the translation of words. This also can mean I am, I am kind, I'm loving. He is, he is so kind and he is so loving. And when we yoke ourselves with him, there are things that he wants to take off of us so that we can experience the richness of flourishing that is why he came, to bring the kingdom of God here. And as I mentioned this morning, you know, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, and pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven to bring the kingdom into our daily lives and our conversations in the way we, we, uh, we, we live and move and have our being, um, not just waiting. And so I want to encourage you um, 
to consider and to pray the prayer this morning that I mentioned. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any way offensive in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, I want to read to you um, within that context, Romans chapter 8 is, uh, is dealing with the issue of suffering, you know, and the glory. You know, I don't consider the suffering, the, the glory that is to be revealed. And then um, he's talking about we don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit prays for us with groanings. Um, you know, when we are experiencing in the context of suffering, when you pray, search me, O Lord, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any way offensive me, lead me in the way everlasting, God is going to do that. He's going to answer that prayer. And it's going to be with challenging events. But he will strip away the habitual patterns and the unintentional life that we have in order to give us himself, to, to yoke himself with us. It's because he's kind and he's gentle and lowly in heart. And we can, we can truly find rest for our souls. But we, we pray for, like I said the, uh, this morning, the, uh, the Scotty prayer, be me up, Scotty, you know, to be removed from our situation. Now, I don't want to, you know, be sadistic and say you should live in your pain. Of course, we don't want to experience great pain. But most of the time, we just want it to go away without realizing that often, just like in James 1, Suffering and trials are the way in which we become mature and complete and not lacking anything. So, you know, consider that text of James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. In trials, it's like fire. Something's being removed. But what that text is saying is something's being added. God is at work making you mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's, it's this gentle, this yoke that, that Jesus said so that you can find rest for your souls because we don't discern well. Obviously, we don't because we habitually live unintentional lives, but, but God wants us to experience great, great joy. And um, so I, um, I, I hope I haven't confused you. I hope I haven't gone on rambling too much. I... Um, I'm delighted to be with you this evening, and I hope you'll invite me back. Um, this morning, um, as I was sitting here, uh, it's been a while since I had preached, and I, um, I looked out at all of the faces and remembered the history here, and I realized you're disciples of Jesus, and, and you reflect your king very, very well. And if I was nervous in any way, I just had to look out and see how well you have loved me and uh, how well you have loved others. And it was kind of like, like the Brady Bunch when uh, I forgot who it was that was taking the driver's test. And they, I think they told Greg, all right, so that you're not nervous, I want you to consider, um, consider your driving instructor in a, in a new light. Um, imagine him like dressed a certain way that made you, and it relaxed him. Um, and that's kind of the, I I'd imagine you guys as great friends and followers of Jesus, and I am always delighted to be here. So thank you so much for uh, having me, and let me pray. Father, we do thank you that you promised the easy yoke, um, that your, your lo- yoke is uh, that we, you call us to learn from you, for, you, for you are gentle and lowly in heart, and that we can find rest for our souls. So Father, we pray that we would stop playing plinko with our life, and that you would reveal to us these habitual patterns and that you would create margin in our life so that 
so that we can serve and so that we can love better and so that you would release us from the burden of living unintended lives and being trapped in, in, in just the tyranny of the urgent and worshiping things that can't satisfy us, that fill our lives and that make us anxious. Thank you that you're a real Savior, you're a living Savior, and you delight to reveal yourself to your children. And we thank you so much. And we pray that you'd be with us now in Jesus' name, amen.